Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Baltimore Ravens Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. It is a great day to be great, and it is especially true when I'm joined by Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, my friend, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What's up, Ian? My friend, Ian. Um, yeah, man, Ravens. Like this, I think this is one of the ones I'm the most excited about, like because we've truly got a lot of change going on with the team, with the offensive coordinator. We've got maybe the best weapons Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's a maybe. We've got the best weapons that Lamar Jackson has had around him, like as a complete you know unit. So uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to break down with the Ravens. A lot of different you know potential scenarios that are going to make uh, people either you know make people a lot of money fantasy football so yeah excited about this one and with that let's get into those changes as Dwayne alluded to we do have a new offensive coordinator in town no more Greg Roman in comes Todd Munkin who spent 2016 through 2018 as Jameis's offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2019 with the Browns did not go so well spent the last three seasons over with the Georgia Bulldogs most recently breaking my heart on New Year's so looking at the Munkin offense Dwayne yeah the guy likes to air the ball out. In 2017 and 2018, sixth and fourth in pass rate over expected. Even 2019, when he got to Cleveland, that was still a 17th ranked unit. So we have seen them push the ball, especially down the field more in this air raid sort of offense and do so in a hurry, man. That's been the good thing here. Situation neutral pace, 11th, 4th, 11th, and 8th in those four offenses that have been led by Munkin. So with Lamar and Greg Roman, I mean, four-year highs, 15th in pass rate over expected and 22nd in pace. I'm not saying that the Lamar-led Baltimore Ravens are all of a sudden could be this top five, top six offense in passing the football, but at least Dwayne going from usually one of the more run-heavy offenses in the NFL. We like to equate a lot of these you know, the Madden playbooks. I think we're going to be looking at something close to balanced. Yeah, I think we will too. You know, it might be run-balanced, run-balanced to balanced. Um, but I, I think the other thing that I just love about Munkin, right, is his ability to just really maximize like these different passing concepts, really getting the different, you know, skill sets that he has. Like we saw the revitalization of Deshaun Jackson back in the day. Like it went from Deshaun Jackson was this undrafted commodity to like, I think he was the wide receiver one maybe over the first four weeks of that season. So definitely expect to see, you know, more deep shots. Um, I think they added the talent to make that happen. Um, so this could be, you know, an absolute smash season for Lamar Jackson. Like if he comes through with, you know, 800 to a thousand yards rushing, which almost feels like a lot for him when he's healthy, like it's really hard for him to not get to that. And suddenly he has a shot at being a 4,000 yard passer. Like, wow, like this could be really, really good for fantasy. Other offseason moves, we did see 2022 spot starter Kenyon Drake remain an unrestricted free agent. The same is also true for, sadly, but it was true, key contributors Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. Even block first tight end Josh Oliver went ahead and signed a actually surprisingly big money deal with the Vikings. In comes Odo Beckham Jr. on a surprisingly steep one-year $15 million contract. Also got Nelson Aguilar there for a cheap deal as well. The big move was drafting Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers with the 22nd overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft more on those guys in just a minute because it's got to start Dwayne with the man of the offseason and the moment Lamar freaking Jackson we've already talked about him plenty throughout this offseason because of his you know drag out war with the Baltimore Ravens but he got his money and he is going to be you know wearing that Raven on the helmet here for the foreseeable future so yes he has only played 12 games in each of the past two seasons but you look at the numbers man and he really hasn't gone anywhere in terms of just total fantasy points per game over these past 
past four years. Yes, 2019, greatest single season literally ever from a quarterback at 27.7. After that, though, 22.2, 20, and 19.7. So, Dwayne, we've still seen Jackson, even in the post-MVP era that he's had going on, still give us plenty of rushing upside. Maybe not the same, again, record-breaking level because, yeah, it's hard to freaking break the NFL rushing record every single season you're out there. I guess the alert here is we get something close to that passing total because that's the thing. Amidst all the Lamar, you know, RB slander and stuff you see on Twitter, always seem to leave out the reality that the man led the NFL in passing touchdowns in the same season that he broke the freaking quarterback record for rushing yards out there. So again, ceiling is the absolute roof. How close do you think Lamar can get to 2019 again, Dwayne? Um, well, I mean, 2019, like you mentioned, it's just such an outlier season. He probably will never get to that again. But at least we have seen him, you know, get to that. Um, I do think on a points per game basis, he could push, you know, 23, 24, which would be really good. Um, and, and that would put him in the range with Josh Allen. You know, that you're going to compete with Allen and Mahomes and all those guys for a top spot if you're in that range. Um, you know, going back to that really big year he had, it was all about efficiency. You know, he threw a touchdown on 9% of his attempts, you know, which is really, really high. You know, if you look at him the next year, it was a 6.9, then 4.2. Last year, he bounced back a little bit at 5.2. I mean, even if you give him like, you know, 5.5%, 6%, I'm going to assume he's going to be a little better, right? Because we've got, uh, you know, Zay Flowers added in the first round. You get Rashad Bateman back healthy. Then you add, um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., in the off season as a free agent. And then also people forget like Mark Andrews was playing hurt last year. Like he yeah. hurt his knee early in the season and he just, he was still earning the targets, but he wasn't the same after the catch. He also battled a shoulder injury. So I think there were some things just going on with Mark Andrews that we weren't hearing about because like his drop off and in inefficiency coincides with when the injuries hit, you know? So um, with, with, with Andrews being such a good player, um, even after the catch, you know, and all the other efficiency metrics over the first part of his career, I don't think he suddenly just fell off at mid-year uh, because he suddenly became not as good at football anymore. I think there's just a lot going on with the injuries. So when you put all that together, I think QB1 overall is really, really in range, you know, and drafters are acting accordingly. I mean, he goes, he's fell, he's fallen a little bit, like he's late third round now. All the quarterbacks are coming down a little bit right now on underdog. Um, but I think he's definitely worth that third round pick. If he happens to slide you in the fourth round, it's an easy smash pick. Um, Ian, I get so jealous. I've seen three drafts now where the, where the guy picking or, or the person picking at 12 had Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews fall in his lap. Like I, 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 I'm like, man, I just want that one time. It's really hard to get them together. Um, but I've seen it now happen to three different people at pick 12. So you can dream folks. You can dream. I got one pairing of that because I've been getting a lot more Lamar Jackson uh, recently, but I had to reach a little bit to do it, man, which is, of course, not something we're looking to always make a habit of. But yeah, I had to actually go late round two Lamar and then get Mark in early round three because otherwise, man, it has been very difficult to make. I will say, though, Dwayne, if you do find yourself in that situation, give a long, long look towards, you know, round 18 Isaiah Likely. We'll talk about him more in a bit, but I don't think there's another player in round 18 who is one injury away from being in the position's top five like Isaiah likely is. End the day, though, I am confident that we are not going to see Lamar being forced to throw, unironically, you know, 
20, 25-yard passes down the field to 315-pound fullback Patrick Ricard. With all due respect to everything Patrick Ricard can do on a football field, the amount of like ISO routes that he got last year was absolutely ridiculous. So I'm with you, Dwayne. Certainly deserves to be one of these dual-threat aliens going at the top parts of drafts. The question is just how highly I have Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen ahead of Lamar. I do think he deserves to be going just a little bit ahead of Fields. If you do want to say Lamar, Fields, and Burrow that are in that same tier, I'm not going to call you crazy. So Again, it's not quite as easy of a stack with Lamar and Mark Andrews. It's possible, but just with Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen, I think it's more laid out for you. That said, on the other side of things, those wide receivers are all so cheap that you're able to usually get two of them uh, by the time you get there in the draft. So Lamar, your QB4, my QB4, someone that we're perfectly fine getting when he's there in the draft? Absolutely, absolutely. And he is a target. Like He's a guy that when I can make it work right, I, especially like when you get the teardrop at wide receiver where all yeah. of a sudden like Amari Cooper's at the top of your queue. Like, look, I like Amari Cooper and we're going to talk about him, you know, with the next team. But at the same time, like Amari's a wide receiver too, kind of could be a wide receiver three, right? Or I can just take Lamar Jackson who could be the QB one overall. Amari can't be the wide receiver one overall. Like, but Lamar Jackson could be the QB one overall. So like once I get to that little spot, you know, where the, the wide receivers start flattening out, that's pretty much where I'm locked into pulling the trigger on Lamar Jackson. And that's why Lamar has been great. Uh, you look at it again, Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen. I mean, they're going right there in the thick. Not all, not all top twelve wide receivers are gone yet. You still got Tony Pollard and you know Josh Jacobs lingering around there. With Lamar, to your point, Dwayne. I mean, I, I consider Calvin Ridley, you know, in a different tier than some of these wide receivers. But if you don't, fair enough. It's Lamar, Debo, Cooper. Hopkins, Watson, Mike, Judy, like, okay, yeah, rank those wide receivers how you want to. They're good in everything, but again, big time tier at that slides in super nicely with Lamar. And I don't think there's as much of an RB dead zone this year because literally from like pick, let's see, from pick 31 to like pick 49, there's only three running backs going. So usually when we would see running backs being pushed up there, they're being replaced by receivers. So if there was a spot to take a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, again, when you see those right wide receivers and running backs falling and even Lamar, man, I've seen him fall to pick 40 here a couple of times as well have been happy to Dwayne said, get a lot of exposure, not just someone we're fine with, but someone that has a target in 2023 drafts of all shapes and sizes. I do not think we can talk too much about pro bowl quarterback, Tyler Huntley, but you know, credit to him for breaking the system. Dwayne two passing touchdowns got a pro bowl. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Huh? Any, any, any thoughts on this? Am I the only one that's taking crazy pills? Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't had any time to think about Tyler Huntley. No. So sorry. Ian. like I'll, I'll, I'll leave that one with you. These players have incentives in their contracts to go to Pro Bowls and stuff. And we just, as a society, watch Tyler Huntley make a Pro Bowl and just go on with our lives. It was like a Christmas Eve news dump that Tyler freaking Huntley made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> and then spare me the, oh, look, he did good in the passing challenges. He's an NFL quarterback. Of course he will. Tyler Huntley is a Pro Bowl quarterback, and that keeps me up at night. All right, moving on to running back. We got J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. Unfortunately, Dobbins has not been able to stay healthy in recent history. Missed the entire 2021 season with a torn ACL and then nine games of 2022 after requiring arthroscopic knee injury upon coming back either a bit too early or just re-aggravating that original issue. That said, man, came back, and even though he did not look as explosive, especially in the first chunk of the season, before he again underwent surgery. But at the end of the year, 
You look at the numbers, man. Only ETN, Pollard, Chubb, and Khalil Herbert average more rushing yards over expectation. We didn't have that same, you know, zero to 60, I think, long speed out of Dobbins, which is to be expected. But especially in that Browns game down the stretch, he was doing some good things, starting to look like that jump-cutting superstar that we saw average six yards per carry as a rookie back in the day. So ultimately, last five games, 120 rushing yards, 125, 59, 93, and 62. Even went to the wild card round and put together a quality 85. Uh, I think total yards as well. The problem, Dwayne, seven catches for 42 yards and a score in eight regular season contests combined. Talked a lot already about the impact that dual threat quarterbacks have on their running backs. Just put most simply as possible, they scramble instead of checking down. And when they're inside the 10 yard line, it's like having another running back out there that you got to worry about vulturing touchdowns and things of that nature. That said, I do look at J.K. Dobbins and wonder if he could be this year's version of a Miles Sanders type guy, Dwayne. We need a few things to go right for him. And honestly, the fact that we do need a few things to go right for him isn't great when you're using a you know fifth or sixth round pick on the guy. But assuming we see Dobbins being an offense that isn't going to throw the ball more, we can start seeing him catch more targets and he's not going to be in a situation where he just can only live on the ground. He catches a few more targets and maybe just maybe Todd Munkin doesn't view this as a split backfield that we've seen between Dobbins and Edwards over the year. He really just hands it over to J.K. Dobbins more than we've seen. If those things do go right, Dwayne, again, J.K. Dobbins could be someone that we look back on as quite the steal because while we might think that RB19 price is high and that's usually where the RB dead zone has been over the years because RBs in general are being pushed down. I mean, I was looking this up uh, this morning for the newsletter. I mean, the end of the RB2 range, so the RB24 is going a full round pass where it was going in each of the previous two years. So again, I think we got to get in our minds that just because the low end RB2s have been dead zone backs in past years doesn't necessarily mean they are this year. I mean, J.K. Dobbins versus Goblin versus JSN versus Michael Pittman versus Ayuk. I'm drafting those receivers a lot of times, but I don't think it's egregious where he's going, Dwayne, if he can get the more pass on work and get that more featured role over Gus Edwards. What do you think his chances are of doing just that? Well, I think, number one, like what Dobbins did last year, despite coming off the injury, even though, you know, he had some setbacks early, was really impressive. Like, I think overall, it makes me feel better about where he's going to be this year. 17% of his carries went for 10 plus yards. So those were explosive rushing attempts. That's really, really good. Like the NFL average is 10.5%. Now, some of that does come down to the offense that you're playing in. But remember, late in the season, it's not like he was getting to play with Lamar. It's not like right. teams were just completely focused on Lamar. Dobbins was having to do a lot of this on his own. Yards after contact, still above the league average, 3.1. And that's an area where we've seen him be even better. And I would expect him to probably look better in 2023 in that area. And then missed tackles forced per attempt, 20%. That's well above the league average of 17%. So while Dobbins was not the same player we saw as a rookie because he was coming off of the injury from his second season. Um, he was still a guy that was better than the NFL averages. And so he should be better than that this year. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, with the splits, what I will say, he had a hundred percent of the carries inside the five last season. Now, again, you had a lot of games where you weren't dealing with Lamar Jackson, there, potentially poaching those, but I will say Jackson is not, he doesn't get the same kind of rushing workload that, you know, like Justin Fields, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts get inside yeah. the five. He's not as big, right? He's still, he's still going to steal some of them, but they're not necessarily trying to put Lamar in the same, because that's where you can take some really big hit, hits, right? You're in a condensed field. The defense is thinking run. They're keying on the run. 
And, you know, you want to kind of protect your quarterback if you can. Those other guys, you know, they weigh 230-plus pounds. Lamar's not like that. So he doesn't get quite the same treatment inside the five. So I think that that bodes well for Dobbins. Um, I do think Gus Edwards will remain a factor. But if we can keep it into a two-way backfield, as long as we don't got to deal, you know, with, you know, a, a pa- they decide that they want to get Justice Hill involved in the passing down again, yeah. in the passing down work again. They did that some last season. That, that just kind of is just enough like that that becomes just really annoying in this in this backfield where you where you also have the rushing quarterback but having said all that i do think that like at adp it's fine uh, i thought it was, it's a really good point what you're bringing up you know about the running backs being pushed down i talked about that a, a couple of weeks ago as well that that's the position that's falling with all these quarterbacks going up all the wide receivers going up now the definition of a dead zone running back is still the same and honestly jk dobbins doesn't fit it anyway Yes, he's lacked the passing down work. I think your comp to Miles Sanders last year is a great one, but he's actually he's a better player than Miles Sanders. I'll yeah. just say it. J.K. Dobbins is a better running back than Miles Sanders, but I think style, you know, not stylistically, but from a pure fantasy perspective, I think you nailed it, right? He could be playing on an offense that gets really good, like what we saw with the Eagles. He could be, you know, a guy that still has to share with a couple of others, but he's the lead back and he could have really big efficiency and he could break off some really long runs, still get some carries inside the five. And even though Lamar, you know, might get a few more of those. And in that scenario, right, you could look up and Dobbins has 12 rushing touchdowns, right? And 1,200 yards rushing. So I've actually got him in that tier. I have, I have Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders, and J.K. Dobbins all in a tier together. Not going out of my way to pick any one of those guys, but if I happen to start wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, something like that, and I feel like one of these guys I just want to take a swing on as my RB1 and then circle back around to RB2 later, I think they're all in the mix for that. I think I'll get a lot more of a J.K. Dobbins after Joe Mixon's price gets to about where it should be, which is around yeah. that RB1 borderline. That's the thing, because again, it's not that Dobbins doesn't belong here. It's that Joe Mixon is the one that it's doesn't belong here. We talked a lot about that in our Bengals preview already, so don't need to go through all that again. But yes, once the obvious three-down workhorse is out of this equation, I do think Dobbins is a perfectly fine target where he's going. A uh, great point about Lamar not being used as much on the goal line. And honestly, like in these studies I've done, Mark Ingram from 2019 was one of the only guys that we've seen be so successful in fantasy even with a high uses dual threat quarterback under center and a big reason was tied for third in the nfl and carries inside the 15 yard line so yeah not getting the hurts tush pushes out there we're not getting the josh allen just go jump over the line of scrimmage and you'll do it somehow because you're freaking superman out there not saying lamar can't be superman in his own right just plays the position a bit differently and accordingly we don't see that same high usage goal line opportunities last thing in Baltimore, Dwayne. It's Gus Edwards. You can say he's not talented because he was a former undrafted player. We just prefer Dobbins, but my God, man. Most yards per carry ever. The Super Bowl era, 500 plus career rush attempts. Number one, Bo Jackson. Number two, Jamal Charles. Number three, Nick Chubb. Number four, motherfucking Gus Edwards, Dwayne. That's pretty good. Yeah, Bo Jackson's like, let me play with Lamar Jackson, bro. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't matter. This, these are the numbers, and, and you're right, like the 15% explosive rush rate, so that's 15% of his carries going 10-plus yards or more, uh, well above the league average at 10.5%, yards contact 3.6, well above the league average at 2.9, 21% of his tackles, uh, missed tackles forced per attempt, that's well above the league average at 17%. So it doesn't really matter what kind of scheme he's playing in. It, you just it, it, It's for fantasy. These numbers are probably going to happen again. So Gus Ebers is one of my favorite picks at the very end of drafts, another guy that was battling injuries, you know, coming off of injuries last year and was still able to do this. 
Um, like I think he could have up to 40%, you know, 30% of the rushing attempts somewhere in there, 30 to 40%. Um, you know, I think that Dobbins is clearly, you know, going to be the other lead guy. And then you're going to deal with, you know, Lamar probably getting 20 to 25%, probably more like 25% given his history. Um, but there's still room there for Gus Edwards. And if something happens to JK Dobbins, even if it's just two weeks, then all of a sudden, if this Ravens offense is really humming, like, you know, like the possibilities indicate, like you could be sitting on a guy that, you know, we're, we're ranking as an RB2, you know, every week. And there's also spike game efficiency, even in games where you have Dobbins, because Gus Edwards is one of these guys that does that, Ian. He just pops up with like a two-touchdown game. You're like, what the heck happened? Well, it just so happens that like the drives he was in on, like they get inside the 10-yard line on both of them, right? And he gets to, he gets to punch two touchdowns in. So I think Gus Edwards is just being completely forgotten, and it's mostly just due to people having to deal with his injuries and everything last year. Uh, people seem to get, you know, you get tired. You get tired of dealing with I got tired of writing about the Ravens' backfield last year as a fantasy analyst. I got sick of it because there were so many injuries, and it was such a revolving door, and there was so much nuance to it, you know, that you had to explain every week. You know, I think people get the same way, right? About having to decide: do I do I pick this guy up? Do I drop him? Do I put him in my lineup? Like that's basically that was your experience last year with Gus Edwards. But when we set it all aside and realized that he's another year removed from the injury, took the pay cut, stay on the team, and then he's clearly the number two. And you can get him in the last round, you know, of underdog drafts right now. And I think that that he could really come through, like as your RB five, and really give you some value. Ravens have done nothing to address the position. Again, Kenyon Drake remains an unrestricted free agent, and they did not draft anybody out there. So, yeah, I said before, you know, one of the pass to J.K. Dobbins really fulfilling, you know, those high-end expectations in fantasy land that we know he's capable of is getting more of a featured role over Gus Edwards. Maybe he doesn't, Dwayne. And if he doesn't, we're looking at a guy that we've seen consistently get double-digit carries per game when he's healthy enough to do so in a great offense going as the RB60 at Underdog Fantasy. So past the first 15 rounds, which is a hell of a lot of running backs, Tajay Spears, the Titans number two, Gus Edwards, and Jerome Ford, the Browns number two. Those have been my three most rostered backs, again, outside of round 15. So love getting that value for meow. Moving on to the most muddled situation we got, Twain. Wide receiver room, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Devin DuVernay, and Nelson Aguilar. Now, let's keep in mind, this has not been a good offense for fantasy wide receivers. In 2018, their number one highest scoring wide receiver in PPR points per game. John Brown, wide receiver 56. 2019, Marquise Brown, wide receiver 48. He was the wide receiver 43 in 2020. Wide receiver 23 in 2021. So we did have that one, you know, top 24 year. And then last year, Devin DuVernay or Rashad Bateman, wide receiver 61 or wide receiver 56, if you want to cut down the minimum game. So has not been pretty. That said, we do have Todd Monken coming. And just to be fair, all due respect to late career John Brown and early career Marquise Brown, but adding Zay Flowers. Healthy, hopefully, knock on wood, Rashad Bateman. Even potentially a healthy Odo Beckham Jr. As a group, Dwayne, it's definitely better than anything else Lamar has been throwing to, and I wouldn't be surprised if we can see someone rise to the top. Right now, I'm leaning towards that guy being Rashad Bateman, and I won't, will not lie. A big reason for that is hearing Lamar Jackson in his own words, in his own voice, in his own press conference say wide receiver one Rashad Bateman. But honestly, man, it's just tough. They're all going pretty near each other. I mean, there was a point in the offseason where they were literally one after another in the wide receiver four range. We have seen Zay Flowers start to get that rookie bump just a little bit. He is now the wide receiver 44 on underdog, but right behind him is Rashad Bateman at 44. Five, and OBJ is not too far behind at wide receiver 51. So again, another example of a muddled situation resulting in all 
all three parties involved having lower ADP than what they will once we know that one guy rises to the top. The million-dollar question, the $3 million question, Dwayne, who will be the one that rises to the top? Oh, yeah, it's Bateman. Like, Lamar Jackson must have read my tweet, like, which was like <laughs> two weeks before he realized that Rashad Bateman is his number one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, Bateman, I mean, had he come out in this class this year, he would have been the number two player behind Jackson Smith and Jigba in the wide receiver supermodel. This is the guy that just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But last year, we did see him flash. Now, again, look, guys, it was on a small sample. Like, so I realized. But it's all we have. It's all we have to go off of. And this is a guy, which I just mentioned with the model, was really, really good in college. So once you have those two things together, and when I say small sample, 120 you know, routes. It's, it's, it's not a lot to go off of. Typically, our cutoff uh, for these things, these data points bec becoming more sticky, it's a little bit different for each one. But where they gain consistency, like year over year, is 250 routes. So we're dealing with 120. So just keep that in mind. But when you line it up with what he did in college, it the nar the narrative works, you know. And I don't want to just call it a narrative, but the data lines up. The 23% targets per route run. That's wide receiver one worthy almost. It's wide receiver two, 2.38 yards per route run. Now he did. I I know some people immediately came back to me and it's like, yeah, but he had several big plays. And well, how do you think people get big yard per route run numbers? There are some big plays that happen in there. Um, so that's part of it. Um, could the small sample be skewing things? Certainly, because then a big play is going to stick out even more. Um, but 2.38 is still really good. That's wide receiver one worthy yards after the catch is where he went, where he went nuts last year. You're going to see regression 9.1. There's no way he's going to keep that. That's like astronomically high. That's all so from that's that long tutty against the dolphins. Yes. But again, he had to make that happen. That wasn't a he fluke did. play. It's just a small sample. Exactly. And so the explosive targets and things like that will come down some, but the main thing you want to hold on to here is he was an elite target earner in college, and we saw him put the 23% targets per route run up last year. He's the guy out of the group, Ian, that also, like, physically, like, he's he's the biggest, right? Yeah. He's the guy that's going to be able to probably be more of a factor consistently inside the five-yard line, end zone targets, and he still has that explosive play upside. So I think he's the most complete profile. Now, that's not to not Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is a guy that you know really rose up draft boards um and it go up, up going in the first round of the nfl draft but i will say like he was a bit of a he's an older player and he's a guy that had he come out as a junior he would have not been a first round pick like a chris Olave or some of these other guys that stay on for their fourth year so he made most of his noise in his final season as far as rising up nfl draft boards and that look it's not something we can look at and say hey we have this exact data that means that he's gonna suck it doesn't mean that it's just something to remember um, but they really liked him. Munkin liked him. I think he's a guy they're going to try to move all over the formation. I will say he played outside in college. He's not just because when you look at his size, most people immediately think, oh, he's a slot receiver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can play slot, but he can play vertical slot. But he played outside in college. He won down the field. He won in contested catches. He's one of these guys, Ian, like, you know, you hear people say this. He plays bigger, right, than what he – he plays bigger yeah. than his size. You know, he's a guy that definitely will win more balls than you think that he should when you watch him on tape. So there's still plenty to like, and I'm I'm drafting both of them. Like, I'm, I'm drafting Bateman first um, most of the time. Now, I've switched here lately because my Bateman exposure was so high, and technically Zay Flowers is still going ahead of Bateman in ADP. Like you said, they're close. Uh, right now, overall on underdog, Zay Flowers is 89 and Bateman's 95.
So, I mean, they're within six picks of each other. Um, I have a few teams where I got both of them, where I have Lamar, so that's a possibility as well. But I love both of these guys. The guy I'm really not messing with much is Odell Beckham Jr., and, and I, I'm not trying to ride him off. And it's priced in. You're getting him at 110, 111 right now overall on mm -hmm. underdog. So I've got a couple of shares, but I just worry, Ian, going into age 31, we've got multiple injuries now. The last time we saw him, he was decent. Um, and you've pointed out, like when you include, you know, his uh, playoff stats for that year, you actually get a much better picture of Odell Beckham Jr. in that season um, when he was traded to the Rams versus if you just look at the regular season. But still, I think there's so many question marks. If there's a guy that I'm willing to just kind of let the chips fall where they may and be like, yeah, I'm just not going to draft him a lot. I don't think he's going to kill me. It's Beckham Jr. But again, whenever he's sitting there and I need somebody and he's sitting around, you know, a little bit past ADP, like I've, I've definitely got a few shares of, of Odell Beckham Jr., but he's just not a guy I'm targeting like I am the other two. When you get Lamar early, you just kind of take whatever wide receivers you can yeah. get at this point in the draft. So that's the cool thing is you can always get one. You yeah. can always get at least one, and a lot of times two. Look, I would love to sit here and be all in on OBJ, and we do have to give him some level of credit. I think his ADP is as high as it is because he's one of only 20 wide receivers set to make at least $15 million this next year. So, you know, shout out OBJ's agent, man. Like, absolute king shit getting him that deal because, again, yeah, we saw him with the Rams. It was good. If you take his just average receiving line in those 11 games, extrapolate it to 17, he gets 71 catches, 889 yards, and 11 touchdowns. But that was as the clear-cut number two to Cooper Cup with Matthew Stafford under center. Who knows if he's going to be the number two wide receiver here. We know he's not going to be a number two target, seemingly. I guess he could be, but Mark Andrews is being more of a factor than Higby was. So a lot needs to go right for OBJ. I'm with you. It's Bateman, Flowers, and OBJ in my order. Do we think really these guys, though, again, in non-Jackson lineups, Dwayne, I have not been going after Flowers in that range. I will take Quentin Johnston over him. I also think that you can even argue Jahan Dotson, who's going a few, you know, about 10 picks ahead for a good reason. Also someone I'm trying to get. I guess the concern here is, yes, we want Todd Munkin to fix everything here. But I wonder how much of this is just hoping Munkin's going to change an offense that isn't guaranteed to be like that different, man. This happened in Pittsburgh last year. No more Ben. Matt Canada system now. Now he's really going to change things. And they ran play action less than they did the year before with Big Ben under center, man. So I do look at Baltimore and I see a team that, again, ran the single lowest amount of 11 personnel, three wide receivers on the field, than any other offense in the league last season. They still have Mark Andrews and Isaiah likely. They still have multiple running backs that they like. If there was going to be an odd man out in this offense, Dwayne, I hear you with Flowers. He was used on the inside and the outside in college. I think he can do both. But if I had to look at it, Bateman, OBJ versus Flowers, it sure seems like Flowers is going to be that slot receiver. I worry that we could see him face a similar issue as JSN and just not quite get the requisite routes needed to just ball out. And because of that, it's probably going to be Rashad Bateman or Bust for me in lineups that do not already have Lamar. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think... I think Flowers is still fine where he's going in ADP. He's in the right mix. Um, I also look at the Ravens, and I think this is also really the best receiving core they've had. Now, your points are valid. They also have a fullback they love to use, right? So when they go out there and you've got a tight end and a fullback on the field, you don't have three wide receivers. Just like when you go two tight ends, you're not going to have three wide receivers on the field. Um, and then if he is just a slot player, well, likely he's also going to get you know, slot routes, right? Mark Andrews is going to get 
you know, slot reps. So there's a lot of potential challenges there for Flowers. I think um, his best path to hitting is that they just decide that, well, we've got all this invested in wide receivers now, and we just paid Lamar Jackson all this money. We want to be, you know, more of a balanced or pass-balance type offense. Um, the good news is we have seen the Ravens do that in recent years, even without Munkin, you know, yeah. um, and, it, and it's not just about trailing game scripts. They threw the ball more two years ago um, in neutral game scripts. They threw the ball more. I think it was also in their leading game scripts that year than what we had ever seen. So they've tried some of this before, but they've never really had the talent, you know, um, around Lamar Jackson. So I, I agree that he could be the odd man out. Um, but I think it also could just be OBJ. Like if OBJ doesn't come in and really play well, like I think there's a path that Zay Flowers ends up playing on the outside, you know, as the starter. And then he kicks inside when they go to three wide and then Beckham comes on the field. Or this is a team, you know, Ian, that we've seen it forever. They are very, very, very willing to rotate all of their skill position players. Yeah. And that's probably the most likely thing. You're not going to see Bateman out there 95% of the routes. He's going to be 80 and then you're going to have Odell Beckham Jr. at 78%. And then you're going to have, you know, Zay Flowers at 70. It's going to be something like that, where all three guys are being rotated on and off the field, and then likely will also be part of that mix. So Yes. Rashad Bateman, number one. But remember, these guys are priced as low as they are for a pretty good reason. Speaking of that tight end room, we do have Isaiah Likely as the number two behind nominal number one incumbent baller Mark Andrews himself. Yes, last year was a relative disappointment. The guy just took down Travis Kelsey after all, did still finish as a tight end three in PPR points per game. Tight end two and expected PPR points per game. So workload didn't go anywhere. Again, it was just more so relative to the idea that we were looking at Kelsey and Andrews at the top ended up still just being Kelsey. So Dwayne, we, you, me, and every other fantasy analyst out there, we still have Travis Kelsey number one, of course. Mark Andrews, though, still seemingly very deserving of that number two spot. When there are Giants preview, we did bump up Darren Waller to our tight end three. We have him in a similar tier because, honestly, when you look at it, Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, maybe Chiggy Aconquo, probably not, but Andrews, Waller, and Kelsey. Those are the three tight ends that we probably should not only expect but project to lead their team in targets. And I think he brought up a good point with Lamar where – when we're drafting him in the course of a draft, looking at all the other positions, he falls to a nice spot where we kind of have our top 10, top 12 running backs off the board. And we start to hit that elongated wide receiver two tier. And Andrews is going right next to Lamar right now. So smart note from a smart and now rich guy named Pat Corain, you know, doing his stuff, obviously, after he just took down BBM last year. But I feel it was a tweet or a podcast or something. But Pat just brought up the point where when you're going through these drafts, like, Think to yourself and ask yourself the question, what can I get here that I cannot get at the later stages of drafts? And while I do think there are a couple other opportunities like a George Kittle to get, you know, this high upside tight end, I mean, when I'm looking at Mark Andrews on the board, I'm looking at the wide receivers and the running backs and I'm saying to myself like, okay, I can get these guys at a couple rounds. I think it's a long tier. It's not that long of a tier for Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. And accordingly, man, I'm back in. We can get Mark Andrews at a round three price. Last year, the dude was going a heck of a lot higher. Mark Andrews, 2023. Or should we be a little bit more worried about the change in offense, maybe looking more to the wide receivers and not Andrews? Yeah, Andrews and Jackson, their ADP is actually really sharp. In my opinion, they're going right where they should be. Um, it's once, you know, you get like some of the young wide receiver twos off the board, Devonta Smith. T Higgins comes off. I, I would, I, I take Andrews and Jackson over T Higgins. Um, but it, the main point, right, is right after you get Derrick Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, and Brees Hall off the board, that's when I'm looking at Andrews or Jackson. 
And, yep. and, you know, Pat, obviously super smart guy. He's exactly right. Um, but like, it's not rocket science. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why I love whenever he, you know, you know, whenever you have analysts share stuff like that, but that's stuff like you and I were talking about, you know, we've been talking about for a couple of years and like whenever we're drafting and, and we're letting people hear us draft and we'll be doing some of those eventually here. I know we've had several people reach out and ask, don't worry, we'll be doing some, but oh, yeah. that's the process, right? We're always going through like, okay, like what is the most unique thing we can get here that we can't get later? Um, what's most likely to come back around to us? Guess what? Like when you let Andrews and Lamar Jackson go, you're letting go of something that's really special as far as what their ceiling cases are and what they can do. And when you let them go by, typically you're not getting them coming back to you because of where they're going in drafts. Unless it's something weird where Kelsey fell to the end of the first round, right? And then you're like, oh, I'm sitting at pick 11 in round three. And the guy behind me at pick 12 has, you know, Travis Kelsey. Well, fine. Then you let Lamar Jackson go and you take, you know, whatever else, or sorry, you let Mark Andrews go. You take whatever else you want because they're most likely not taking Mark Andrews to go with Kelsey. Um, but other than that, like Andrews is an absolute target for me once those running backs are off the board. And I think he's clearly in his own tier in tier two. I think it's Kelsey. Then I think it's Andrews. Then I think, you know, we get another tier and I, I agree. Waller is the next guy. Um, but man, like these targets per route run 33%, 25%, 24%, 25%. Like we talked about efficiency came down a little bit last year, did not get to play much with Lamar Jackson in the second half of the season. He was also battling injuries from the get. So I think that the biggest thing that we saw with Andrews where he fell off was, you know, dealing with injuries, dealing with not playing with Lamar Jackson, but the targets were still there. That did not change. And he's got more competition than ever. So I don't think we're going to, I don't think you see a, you know, there's no probably path to a ceiling like 30% target share like we potentially had last year. So that's off the table. But I still think you're going to see him in that 24 to 25% range. And he should clearly be in a tier of his own as the second tight end off the board behind Travis Kelsey. And Mark Andrews last year entered week eight on the injury report with a knee injury and then suffered a strange shoulder in the second quarter to, you know, upset a completely different part of his body, misses a week, and then Lamar Jackson was gone shortly thereafter. Yeah, not ideal in exactly the sort of context that we do want to know and feel good about when going for a bounce back campaign. Quickly on Isaiah Likely, I mentioned it before, Dwayne, but again, where he's going in these drafts, I understand that the idea of a handcuffed tight end is ridiculous in practice, but this is not your usual handcuffed tight end. I don't think there's another team in the NFL that we're even going to talk about the number two tight end for more than a couple seconds, if that, because Dwayne, everything he did last year from the preseason through the end of the season, man, ridiculously efficient. And in his only three games with a snap rate above 50%, he peeled off top eight fantasy finishes every single time. 77 yards in a tutty, 24 yards in a touchdown, 103 yards in week 18. I mean, look, he's not going to give anything else. He did not reach 50 yards even once otherwise. But again, small move that we haven't been talking about a ton no more josh oliver man that's the sort of just block first tight end who's going to keep someone like likely off the field and maybe he wasn't eating into the routes or anything that much but i do think we could maybe get one two dare i even say three standalone games from isaiah likely where he just does his thing kind of in a backup role and god forbid something happens to mark andrews Dwayne. i mean hey let's paint a nice scenario mark andrews finds out that he has like a billion dollars, you know, from his English relatives or something. And so he says, Hey, still love football, but I'm taking this year off. Me and my family are just going to chill, you know, do that. So he'll be back next year. Kelsey Hawkinson, Kittle, Goddard, Pitts, Waller, like likely would absolutely be in that tier, man. If you want to say, be at the bottom of it and be tight end seven versus tight end five or three, 
go ahead, man. He'd be in that group. And again, when you're looking at the guys going in round 18, not many other guys you can say are one injury away from that. So personally, I've been, you know, a few, if I'm in one of those, we need three or even four tight ends. I haven't taken my first tight end until round 14 or round 15. Yes, I do like getting some likely shares to that. Also, if you miss out on the Andrews Lamar stack, which has been a little bit hard to do, I love adding it on around 18, you know, Isaiah likely to that Lamar spot. Just to see players that are that good in real life going around 18, Dwayne, because again, I understand the opportunity is likely not going to be there <laughs> if Andrews uh, stays healthy and everything. But just in terms of raw, talented player, man, many like likely in round 18. Yeah, and talent is still the number one driver for, yeah. for earning targets. It, and look, it's proven out so many times. It, it doesn't matter if you're MVS and you get to play with Patrick Mahomes. If you can't earn targets, the magic can't happen. Right. If you get to play with an elite passer like Burrow and your name happens to be Jamar Chase, that can be really good for you. Like that's good for both players. Um, likely definitely showed us that he had the talent last year. 21% targets per route run, 1.39. I would put him the tier below what you mentioned. Like I think, you know, Goddard, Kittle, Hawkinson have, have shown enough over their career that they should be a tier above. But you could squeeze him in with Fryermuth, Ingram, uh, David and Joku, you know, Dalton Kincaid's right there. I think you put him in that range. And, and, and you could feel pretty good about it. I think the one challenge we would have for likely last year when we got to see him, they had nothing. There was no one else available in those yeah. games um, other than, than Andrews. So I think there would be a little bit more of a challenge having to deal with a healthy Rashad Bateman as well as a Zay Flowers and potentially an Odell Beckham Jr. If he can, you know, if he can keep things going in the right direction. So I'm a little bit lower than you, but I do agree. There's not another handcuffed tight end that we would talk about. I've also taken him numerous. I've also taken him numerous times when I get to that round 18 pick, and I'm looking for maybe I only ended up with one right of the wide receivers, and I don't have Andrews. In that case, I like grabbing likely. If I've already got two of the other wide receivers, it's like I'm not going to try to triple stack this because of what you mentioned earlier. It's like okay, like how, how pass heavy is this offense really going to go? Um, not, not completely sure. We think they're going to throw more, but might not be as much as what people think. So I do like him, um, in that scenario that you talked about. Um, so yeah, I like Isaiah like it. Takes us to the win total set at an even 10 with minus 120 juice on the over. Look, Mike Tomlin, King State King, 16 straight years without a losing record. That's amazing. John Harbaugh, man, not quite as cool of a, you know, straight 16, but 15 years, only one season with fewer than eight wins. 10, 14, 11, 8, and most recently 10 with Lamar under center. And when Lamar has been under center, man, they've just done a hell of a lot of winning. Last year, 8 and 4 with Lamar, 2 and 3 without. 7 and 5 with Lamar in 2021, 1 and 4 without. Even look when he got the job in the first place in 2018. This was a 4 and 5 football team with Joe Flacco and company under center. 6 and 1 once Lamar came in down the stretch run. So similar to our Bengals discussion, you know, this is going to be a situation where, yes, you're going to face, you know, four games in a division that has probably high quarterback play out of Deshaun Watson and definitely out of Joe Burrow and with the Kenny Pickett led Steelers even if they don't look great you just heard the Mike Tomlin stat like we know they're at least going to be decent and a hard out you know in the AFC North so 10 I think it's a good number I wouldn't be surprised if they finish with exactly 10 wins I am going to take the slight over though as a sign of faith towards both Harbaugh and just again Jackson's overall ability to win freaking football games when he is healthy I know it's been back-to-back -back years with only 12 games for Lamar maybe I'm drinking just uh, I want Lamar to stay healthy Dwayne so maybe that's a problem here but again I think this is the second best team in the AFC North I'm comfortable taking over 10 wins probably wouldn't bet it but again I think that's a good number 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't bet it, but I would take the over. Um, and what makes the overs so tough also, right, is injuries are just working in your favor for unders and a game that we know is brutal. And if Lamar Jackson misses time, it just makes things tough. Now, to your point, they've been resilient without him, <laughs> winning 10 games in 2022, projected for 10, you know, this year. They had 10, uh, 11 wins in 2020. Like, you already hit all that. But Dude, if Huntley um, doesn't fumble at the goal line, they're up seven in Cincy without <laughs> Lamar in the wild card round. I know. Like. I know. So if Lamar's healthy, right, and you look at all the weapons that they've added around him, it, it's I think it's easy, you know, to take the over. The, the challenge is just what will health look like. So I'm with you. Girl Scout sauntering to the door. Give me the over. Definitely not betting the mortgage on it, though. And with that, we've concluded another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. Make sure you check out, check out all of Dwayne's tiers, rankings, all that goodness over FantasyLife.com, which will be updated throughout the summer, by the way. Gotta love that. And, oh, yeah, it's always free, as is our newsletter that you can subscribe to over FantasyLife.com. If you enjoy these team previews, we have videos and articles for all of them. Once again, as you guessed it, over at FantasyLife.com. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.